Hey guys, it's Riley and Bushra here. Hi. And we're here with our second ep- official episode of the Hash It Out podcast for the 2019-2020 year. As we stated in our first episode, we are going to explore a dialogue approach that is centered around discussing and understanding social justice issues that are related in the United States. In this episode, we're going to be exploring the United States' role in Middle Eastern politics and the personal and more political impacts that it has had on several community members and groups. In no way are our dialogues and discussions completely cohesive of all Middle Eastern politics, but this is like a very crucial start on a very important conversation that needs to especially happen within the young adult community. Politics is and will never be black and white, as we all know. It's sometimes dirty and it's sometimes complicated, but it's necessary and it is a very necessary aspect of a functioning society. It's our job as young adults to be critical and intentional about politics and how we play a role in advancing and growing our respective countries. So now me and Bushra here are going to discuss our general views, initial thoughts, and personal knowledge of the United States in the role of Middle Eastern politics. So Bushra, I guess, let me ask you first, what's your initial um, general knowledge, initial thoughts, and stuff like that in like the U.S.'s role in Middle Eastern politics? I understand that um, you have a personal connection to North Africa and the Middle East, correct? Yes, yes, I do. I'm so I'm from Libya. So um, initially, when I was younger, I kind of relied heavily on uh, social media and news reports about um, my own knowledge uh, on what's going on with Libya, on how the U.S. was intervening, um, how the general public viewed it, all of those types of things. I was kind of heavily relying on Western media to give me that information. Um, it's a little bit more hard to receive uh, more genuine information from uh, Libya itself, just because a lot of the information was um, convoluted. It was um, sometimes too political because it was favoring one side over the other. It was really hard to know who was right, who was wrong, um, who was saying the truth and who was not. And so as I was growing up, I just found myself kind of relying on the U.S. to give me that piece of information, which can or cannot be a good thing, depending on what they're saying, because sometimes some media sites are being authentic and truthful and honest and raw, and they will give you, um, you know, the, the news report that is very honest, you know, and is talking about what's going on with no political affiliation or some type of political agenda behind it. But then a lot of times it's um, pretty much propaganda that's supporting uh, whatever um, political action the U.S. has taken against that specific country, which is for me, Libya. So um, to this day, I still struggle with trying to find that medium and trying to understand um what went on during 2011 um was the U.S. right in intervening because at one point I was like okay it was kind of necessary for us to get our civil war movement going on because the dictator himself had access and direct control and access towards the military and so the general public did not hold weapons or um for the civil war to actually like happen 
the civilians didn't have weapons. They didn't have military uh, personnel on their side. It was pretty much the dictator and the military personnel versus civilians. And so, and there was a lot of backstabbing going around too because some civilians supported uh, the president himself. And so it was just very, it was a very confusing time. So I sometimes wonder if the U.S. did not intervene, would the war have happened as it had right now? Would the results have been the same? Would it, would it have been better? Would it have been worse? I'm not completely sure. Um, but I do recognize that there needed to be some side, some sort of outside intervention for the civilians to at least have some sort of chance against uh, the president. Um, but the extent of the intervention is still kind of hazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so obviously, growing growing up in the U.S., you know, we are exposed to a lot of things, especially within um, international media. Um, I kind of feel like in, in in U.S. media, especially like mainstream media, there's always some sort of viewpoint, some sort of thing that we're not getting. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel like I feel like it's just what the U.S. paints it to be. Yeah. Now, in the realm of like the Middle East as a region, it's always been kind of a bit of like um, a so-called like battleground. Yeah. Of sorts, because it's been a war zone. Yeah, it's yeah. been a war zone mostly because. Um, you know, it goes all the way back to, you know, you know, French, con- like the European colonization yeah. Yeah. of the area, um, the British partition of Palestine, mm-hmm. um, these, the creation of the state of Israel mm-hmm. and the um, um, Arab Israeli conflict mm-hmm. that happened, um, the Suez yeah. crisis, um, a lot of political. A lot of political instability in that area we've yes. seen, um, especially more so within the 21st century now. Um, obviously, during September 11th, back in 2001, mm-hmm. um, there was like an anti-Muslim, um, anti-Sikh, you know, very anti-Middle Eastern sentiment yeah. that we saw here in the U.S., um, yeah. And then we, um, the U.S. government had invaded Afghanistan mm-hmm. um, a couple days later, mm-hmm. and we're still not out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. military is still not out of that. Um, in like in the realm of uh, Iraq, you know, the the crisis there, um, the the realm of Middle East is just brings up so many archetypes, so many stereotypes, you know. And then with um, President Trump's um, Muslim ban, you know, always targeting these areas where people are coming from and designating them as, you know, terrorists. And that's just not conduct that's not conducive that's not fair mm-hmm. that's just really disgusting in nature to be honest if we're really good if we're really gonna be honest here y'all it's just disgusting and that's on that really yeah no i completely agree um it's been kind of interesting to see these Middle Eastern countries that have been previously colonized by Western countries by the way so we have like these especially North Africa has been uh, colonized by either Italy or the French. So 
you have these countries that are kind of reeling back in from the past colonization, trying to get their bearings together, starting that process of decolonization, right, in their countries, um, bringing back their culture and their heritage. Um, and then you have them kind of get the sort of couple years break out of Western intervention. And then all of a sudden, again, you have this Middle Eastern region that is now just being uh kind of intervened by several Western countries and areas. You have the U.S. intervening, and then you have also France that's intervening. The U.N. has been intervening with several Western countries as well. And so it's kind of been a little bit scary, but a bit interesting as well just to see how the timeline is kind of constructed. You see there's just like this been like 20, 30, 40 year gap of these countries building their like building their country back up and trying to get back into how they were uh, pre-colonization, Western colonization. And then now all of a sudden Middle East has just become a war zone, like Riley said, a battleground um, where somehow it's just been civil war after civil war, discourse after discourse. It's just been a political battleground and you've just had people lose their lives and you've had people lose their homes and trying to immigrate out of these regions because of the danger. You've had um, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and like all these different groups kind of coming in and influencing the political um, kind of backdrop of these countries. And it's just been a very sad and scary time, especially for me, who was used to the richness and who was used to kind of uh, the stability of my country, just to see it fall to the ground um, and then have people paint the people from my country as terrorists when really that's not the case. Yeah. I also feel like especially within the now within like the last 20 years now i feel like the u.s has grown a bit of an influence Mm -hmm. within that region as well through its intervention however i also feel the u.s only intervenes to protect u.s interests yes as we've seen um as we've seen like in within history within a historical context the middle east is very rich in oil deposits yes and you yeah. can yeah so i feel like with you know the us not tapping always not tapping into their own resources um, but always wanting to supply foreign oil and it especially mm-hmm. comes from um, Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. other Middle Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. So um, I only feel like, you know, U.S. intervention or really it's U.S. imperialism. Mm-hmm. Did, did, yeah. we <laughs> did we lie? Did we lie? No. No, we didn't lie. Um, but I feel like within U.S. like U.S. intervention slash imperialism, it's only for the gain of the U.S. as a dominant superpower. It's always been like that. Yeah. The U.S. colonization, especially neo-colonization, we've seen it with transnational companies, Mm -hmm. you know, exploiting workers and, you know, the U.S. military, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even I'm going to make another personal connection, even in my homelands, you know, I'm my family came from the Korean Peninsula and there is a high um, animosity towards, you know, 
the U.S. and the especially within the 21st century. Um, however, you know, that's just um, the role of the colon of the colonist. You know, yeah. to expand its own interests on the backs of the colonized, as we've as we've seen, especially in Puerto Rico, in Hawaii, yeah, and Guam, the Philippines, yeah. um, Libya, yeah. the Middle East, Palestine, yeah, yeah. No, you're definitely right. So I guess um, <laughs> I guess now um, we're kind of kind of have to discuss um, kind of a historical context as well. Yeah. So I guess I've already touched on um, sort of like a backdrop of it, but um, I know within like as Busher had said, you know, the French had colonized most most of Northern Africa um, in the 1800s, violently so. Mm-hmm. So it came became like a struggle for European powers in order to expand their own interests on the African continent, especially mm-hmm. in North Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on like, I guess, <laughs> that sort of thing, like the power shifting between, because at, at that time, you know, the British Empire was the biggest thing in that area mm-hmm. and then the French were the second so yeah. there was a constant shifting of hands between certain countries in Northern Africa yeah I um, I think that it's a little bit sad to see how it's just been these countries especially within the Middle East they've just been handed from one Western country to another right like you said from one hand to another I felt like they really couldn't get a break and when they did think they got a break and when they were kind of growing their country Mm -hmm. and trying to stabilize themselves um, it didn't work it didn't end up working because you had all of a sudden these political issues and um, people starting political discourse and violence. And then um, after 9-11, there's been a lot of terrorism charges. There's been um, a lot of eyes that have been looking at the Middle East and trying to see what these Muslim countries are doing just because they were afraid I guess, of um, terrorists coming into their own Western countries and bombing them. Um, And whilst fear kind of does make sense Mm -hmm. in, like, for a little bit, a lot of people don't understand that these terrorist organizations are actually running rampant in um, Muslim countries and killing their own people the ones that, you know, Western media has portrayed to be the ones who are actually benefiting from terrorism when, in fact, actually uh, terrorism ends up, you know, affecting Muslim civilians the most. You know, I've had family members, I've had family friends who have been kidnapped, who have been killed by ISIS members, um, who have had their own homes taken away from them by ISIS members. Um, All of these things are very normal occurrences in the Middle East, and nobody really pays attention to that because, as always, um, U.S. intervention is always deemed as a heroic act and as if they're saving people, when in fact they're kind of contributing to the ongoing political problems that are going on in the Middle East. And so whenever something 
whenever there are terrorists that are kind of um, saying that they will do all these things against the U.S., everybody is mad, everybody is angry, they want to catch these terrorists, but whenever these same terrorists are the ones who are um, killing civilians and kidnapping and um, pretty much just causing strife, internal strife within these countries, nobody's really saying a thing. Nobody nobody yeah. really bats an eye. Yeah. I think it's also interesting because within, as Bashar had said, there had been a 20 to 40 year gap within, you know, the you know the decolonization process. Um, there had been a lot of, like, violent political strife between, A, the, um, the workers. Yes. The workers themselves, you know, yeah. the, what, what the... Um, what are deemed to be the working class Mm -hmm. and then also the elite who are also these nationalistic fronts who are also loyal to the colonists to loyal to these colonizing you know forces so you know we've we've seen it you know in different instances um, that sort of thing Um, I think Especially after this nine after nine eleven, um, there was like this surge in like American uh, uh, patriotism, mm-hmm. and we've kind of seen it kind of grow into this like uh, nationalistic movement, especially with um, the twenty after the twenty sixteen election, yeah. and you know. President Trump's um, <laughs> um, erroneous um, measures being put in place, yeah. especially with the travel ban. Um, yeah. That targeted majority Muslim countries, which a lot of people are like, oh, no, those are just dangerous countries. But the funny thing is, if you look at those same countries that the Muslim ban has placed a ban on from people coming in from, um, they're also the same countries that currently or have had civil war happen and the U.S. has actually intervened. So it's kind of interesting to see that play out, you know, that same, the same countries that you guys are intervening in and, um, I don't know, kind of like cause more problems in, in a sense, are the same countries that you guys want to say are terrorist countries and you want to ban people from coming in from those countries. So it kind of seems a little bit like hypocritical to me, in a sense, um, where, you know, you do your part and you get the Heroic Act badge and everybody's like, oh my God, yes, the U.S. has once again saved some country, but then the country is obviously not well it had actually has more political discourse because of the inter- uh, of the US intervening and then you have this problem where they're like okay well this country is not even actually functioning as a normal country anymore so we don't even want those people to come in because we see them as a threat although we kind of created that threat yeah and we also see like within like u.s allies you know kind of creating this kind of political strife within these um conflict areas you know we've seen it in many 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 forms to be completely honest yeah um you know, we've seen it in Libya. We've seen it in, you know, um, with our, with the U.S.'s um, conflicts in Afghanistan and in Iraq and also in Syria. Yeah. Um, I think the Syrian civil war has been, like, the biggest 
like like thing within the 2010s. No, behind yeah, behind yeah, behind Libya and a lot of these um, areas where it's been like civil war. Um, However, I think with like the U.S. being like this imperialistic force, um, Mm -hmm. only protecting the interests of the U.S. Yes, because. I don't know if I said this before, but we talked about, you know, the idea of foreign oil. Yeah. Yeah. Mineral deposits, uranium deposits, very rich in that area. Um, the only time, you know, where a lot of majority of um, Arabic countries were like, no, you're not doing this no more, was during the 1978 oil crisis, you know. And that was just for a multitude of reasons. So they cut the U.S. off and there was, you know, this big um, oil crisis. Yeah. Oil crisis started to be, um, oil, the price of oil started to rise up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also very interesting to see, you know, a lot of people in the media and in the news will say, you know, well, we need to go to war with them. We're mm-hmm. trying to help these people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here's the thing, you know, you have these people of that particular nation who live in that nation who are rising up. Yeah. Why do they need your help? Yeah. You know. And there's a lot of ways for them to help without them having to bomb. By the way, when they, when the U.S. was intervening and kind of sending in missiles and jets to bomb, they, they ended up largely bombing civilian houses and areas where civilians were congregating. So, you know, on one hand, they're saying that they're helping out with the war on another, they're killing it, these innocent people who are not a part of this war or have been dragged into this war. So really, if you truly did want to help, there's a lot of ways for the U.S. to help without them directly intervening and influencing the war um, to a point where it becomes dangerous for the for the people who live in that country. So, you know, there's, um, there's monetary aid that they can give. There's, you know, instead of sending in their own troops and their own soldiers, you know, you have like, not only are you going against you're ha- when you have a civil war, these are your brothers, these are your neighbors that you're going against, right, due to a political affiliation. You're having this war because of this reason. And so now you have these foreign troops coming in saying that they're going to help you. And to me, that just seems a little bit unfair to the people because it's just like, well, you know, I'm already struggling as it is. Why would I have some foreign white man come on my, you know, on on our soil and then start killing, you know, our own brothers and sisters and our own people right in front of us and then they claim they're helping us. You know, what what are their interests? The working class people definitely deserve the right to self-determination. Yeah. And the U.S. is not that of self-determination self-determination is not calling on to foreign troops coming into your land and saying you know we're going to help and protect you and shit like that and then they end up like totally like disintegrating everything else and it just leads to more political strife and more political instability so you know I kind of find it funny that um, people were just so joyful of the U.S. military, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's been, you know, this driving force behind, you know, kind of like this political strife 
for their own interests, for the interests of the U.S. government, for being a dom- for wanting to be a dominant superpower. And I think it's kind of funny, you know, kind of uh, always saying, you know, we're going to be, you know, we paint these other countries mm-hmm. who are, you know, rising up, like rising mm-hmm. up and just being like, well, they're just a bunch of, you know, hooligans, a bunch of, you know, radicals, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And then they don't, you know, people don't understand is that the U.S. military does the exact same thing. Well, the U.S. government within the U.S. using the U.S. military yeah. is doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Only for the self-interests of the U.S. government itself. Mm. So I feel like within that sort of realm, you know, the people of that of that country have the right to self-determination, have the right to be free and, you know, have the right to their own self-interest as well, not of the U.S., period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on that note, us talking kind of about... Um, the Middle Eastern conflicts and wars are happening over there and the U.S. intervening. Um, Riley, how do you think the U.S. has impacted life for many individuals here um, who are living in the U.S. due to their due to the U.S. intervention overseas? So we're talking about Middle Easterners or people who come from these countries or who connect with these countries um, and all of a sudden... Um, have the U.S. intervening and causing more political strife in their countries. How do you think this has impacted their life here? I think they come under scrutiny a little bit because then, you know, as they're vocal about their support of their country, they're going to be branded as as terrorists. Yeah. And that's just not the case half the time. Yeah. Or all of the time, actually. actually yeah. yeah, all the time. Not half the time, all the time. Yeah. You know, if they're going to be, if they if they vocalize their support of their country, you know, being against U.S. intervention, they're often branded as terrorists. Yeah. So then they come under scrutiny and then they feel like their voice is not being heard. And then they come under fear, you know, even if like, you know, if they come to this country, like they come immigrating into this country, they often fear for their, you know, own safety because, yeah. you know, we have a lot of people being ended up being deported by you know ICE mm-hmm. who are of you know Middle Eastern North African descent well African descent yeah they end up like coming all this way just to be deported back into these you know into these war zones basically yeah with no re- like no sort of resources or anything like that yeah. I find that to be very very um disgusting to be honest you know it's horribly disgusting so i feel like with the role of the u.s intervention overseas um those i feel like these people often feel extremely sad angry despondent but then if they you know voice those opinions or anything like that they'll come under scrutiny and then they fear for their their own safety. You know, yeah. we saw it after 9-11, a lot of Muslims and Sikhs were targeted for harassment, violence, and even, like, I think murder. Yeah. They were often, like, some of them were murdered. Yeah. For that sort of thing. I don't know. What do you think? 
So I think this this is kind of just coming from my own personal experience, but um, for sure, life after U.S. intervention for me has been, like I said, a little bit hazy, a little bit confused. Um, I'm not completely sure on all of the facts. It's very hard for me to um, understand exactly what went on, what information is hidden. Um, I also felt like I could not be vocal about my own opinions. Like you said, if I was supporting a certain political affiliation overseas, or if I was in support of something that my people were doing or were fighting for, um, sometimes I felt like if I were to be vocal about these opinions, um, I would get odd looks or that people would question, you know, my beliefs or would question me as an individual as well who's living here in the U.S. Like, oh, so are you saying you support this or you support that or, you know, um, they kind of have like this one sided view of what's right and what's wrong. And they believe that um, however the U.S. intervenes and whatever the U.S. deems is right um, is right. When, in fact, really, like if the U.S. is sitting there and is calling this country a, a dangerous country um, full of terrorists that are running rampant, that's actually sometimes, a lot of times, false. You know, there's just a political agenda behind it that we don't know of. Um, and so just like in this very one-sided view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think... I think we're going to wrap it up here. So um, I want to thank all our listeners here to tuning in to our second Hash It Out podcast episode. Do let us know what you guys think about what we have said here today. Do leave a comment. um, Let us know how, how, what you guys think. Um, So um, on that note, we will see you in two weeks with another episode. Until then, stay informed and intentional, folks. Bye.